Well, good morning, everyone. It is such a, a joy to be here. Uh, you know, there are some places I go and speak at, and it, it basically feels like an away match at a, a football or a rugby ground, but this feels very much uh, like home, and thank you for your warm welcome. Um, I want to particularly honor Dan um, this morning. Um, I actually haven't met Rachel, his wife, yet, but I just want to honor them as a family, you know. The reality is, is this last 18 months has probably been the toughest season of my life, my family's life, and indeed our church's life. We took on the church, Hull Vineyard, just before COVID. And, um, and so doing a transition is, is hard enough, and then doing it when we're actually not able to meet as a gathered community has been really tough. But Dan has been a tremendous uh, support to me, a tremendous encouragement and um, my wife's American, and um, there are some things that she won't compromise on. And one of those things is that she, she'll, she has to have Diet Coke, the real thing, not the cheap stuff. There's some things that we budget for, and she has to have the real thing, real Diet Coke. And I want to say in, in Dan that he is, um, he's the real deal. And uh, he, he's helped me a lot processing uh, this last season. Uh, just with wisdom, with support, with encouragement. He's the kind of person who came around for coffee at my house this week. We can, I can be honest with him and transparent and open. And uh, I just want to commend him uh, and indeed all the leaders of this church to you all. You have an incredible leadership in this church. You're the real deal when it comes to a church community. And I was reflecting just in worship about uh, Jesus' messages to the churches in Revelation, you know, the seven churches. And he almost gives like a report card like you have at school, doesn't he? Uh, here's some things that you're really bad at, and here's some things uh, that you're good at. Here's some areas you need to make more of an effort in. But I just sense the heart of God that just being around you and with you, just even this morning and knowing your leaders over, over the last year, indeed Phil, for many, many years, is that you guys uh, are authentic this is family. This is what church should be like. And just your heart in worship and your welcome and just how you're doing church in this season, your heart to serve uh, the city and the least and lost and the lonely with compassion and mercy and justice. This is the heart of God. And that is when the Spirit of God moves upon a community, when you lean into things which are of His heart, which is to those who are broken, to those who are lost, those who are marginalized in our communities. And so uh, I'm really thankful uh, to every single one of you and to this church. And in this particular season, people who want to be influential, people who want to make a difference in life, you know, we need just to begin with faithfulness. We need to be found faithful before God and faithful to Jesus, to his cause, to his church. And faithfulness is a word that is elevated in Scripture, but it is undervalued in society. But I believe to make a difference, distinctiveness lies in faithfulness. And it's humbling, isn't it? And Phil alluded to this earlier. But it's overwhelming to think that the entirety of human history, God chose you and I to live in this time, in a pandemic, in this season, knowing that you and I could make a tremendous difference. And that starts with faithfulness. Every single day, 
faithfulness. And that goes beyond emotion. It goes beyond feeling. It goes beyond our circumstances. It is a choice. And much of what happens in life is out of our control. We cannot change. Uh, We can't control the weather. We can't control getting old. We can't control the pandemic. But a, a big part of life is just accepting those things that we can't control and those things that we cannot change. Most of, uh, much of anxiety is caused by trying to control those things that we can't change and control. But there are some things that we can change and there are some things that we do have control over. And one of those is being our choices. And I believe one of the greatest powers in all the world is the power to choose. And we can choose every single day faithfulness. Being faithful to God, faithful to each other faithful to the call of God on our lives, in season and out of season. And this is the heart behind a verse in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, verse 15. And it says this, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And this is essentially a cry for commitment to God, especially in the times that we live in particularly in a pandemic. God is inviting, I believe, the church once again to wholehearted commitment. And our response to this invitation by God to the church is, yes, Lord, as for me, as for me and my house, in my time, in my generation, I will serve the Lord. And in this difficult season, I've seen far too many leaders, far too many followers of Jesus lose heart and quit on God and quit on the church. And maybe the foundations of their faith that they had been building on wasn't the kind of materials that when the storms of life come, that it just didn't hold up. And in that verse, you'll see a small two-letter word that has so much power. And that word is we. And I want to talk to you today in this series that you've begun, This Is Us, about that small word, we. Now, it's amazing, but in the last 50 years or so, in most spheres of society, there's been a seismic shift from seeing things and doing things as a community and togetherness to alone. There's been a huge shift from the power of we and us to me and I. And whether it's in books that have been written or songs that have been sung or speeches that have been said, marriages, families, communities have atrophied. The result has been an epidemic of loneliness and mental and emotional ill health and certainly physical ill health. Uh, there's a, there was a cartoon in the 4th of November 2019 issue of the New Yorker magazine. It showed Humphrey Bogart. Does anybody remember Humphrey Bogart? That's brilliant. That's five of you. That's fantastic. Wearing a white tuxedo and a black bow tie, and he's sitting alone at a bar, and in front of him is an electronic device, and he's turning to it saying, Alexa, play as time goes by. And it's a poignant image of our cultural moment where communication and technology it's just amazing, isn't it, the live streaming, the online stuff, and I saw Facebook. It's just, it's just amazing how we're able to connect. And technology is smarter and faster, but human interaction, 
being other-focused, face-to-face, is all too rare. And on the one hand, this pandemic has reawakened, hasn't it, the need for connection. I don't know about you, but there's been a reawakening, a revival of the art of neighboring. Uh, We're starting to say hello to more people as we just go on walks around the park. I've known more of my neighbors in the last 12 to 18 months than I ever had done before. But I would argue that the pandemic of isolation and individualism is still ever present. And so there is an incredible power about togetherness and the power of we and us. You know, in our recent marriage course Zoom that we just did, I highlighted that marriage for me, if you sum it up, if you want a healthy marriage, it's about togetherness. Togetherness. And at the heart of the church community and family has to be this idea of togetherness. And that's why the Bible, time and time again, instructs the people of God to guard against anything that pulls us apart. It talks about guarding and protecting our togetherness, guarding and protecting our community and our unity. And at the crux of this Christian call to be together is to love. Because nothing beats a loving home. In fact, if you think about it, what, what was it that promoted and accelerated the Christian the early Christian church throughout the world that brought the Roman Empire to its knees. It wasn't great church services, although this is a great church service. It wasn't a great church building, although this is an amazing, beautiful building. It wasn't fancy branding. It wasn't a great, cool vision statement. It wasn't social media. It wasn't preachers with cool sneakers. Has anyone seen the Instagram for that? Preachers with cool sneakers. It wasn't anything like that. It was the Spirit of God driving a community which had at its core love. To love one another is the greatest display of God to our community in our city. What is the greatest thing we can do for humanity in the midst of a pandemic? I believe is to love one another. You know, in AD 40, there were approximately 1,000 Christians in the Roman Empire. By AD 350, almost 30 million. 53% had converted. This coming from the short ministry of Jesus in the middle of nowhere. And central to that, what made the difference was love. Including the love of their enemies. Radical, unconditional, agape, Christian, biblical love. And if we go back to Joshua, where we see that incredible cry for commitment, is that we see one of the great marks of the presence of God being upon the people is that in spite of all their differences, they were unified. You know, the the Western tribes and the Eastern tribes thought that they were missing it in terms of the worship of God, but when they gathered around that which was central, the faithfulness and the worship of God, their Yahweh and the presence of God was among them. So when we're together, when we're unified, the Spirit of God comes upon His church in a unique and powerful way. 
And this is so important, isn't it, in our cultural moment right now, because we're seeing in our world massive division, massive dividing lines that are being drawn theologically, politically, racially, with perspectives on COVID. But friends, the gospel calls us, this is why this series is so poignant for you as a church, the gospel causes us to unite and love one another. And what unites us isn't our opinions. It's not our opinions, but it is all practice-based. Look at what they rallied around in the DNA of the early church in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47. You see the DNA of the early church. It says they rallied around teaching of the Bible, the scriptures. They rallied around the breaking of bread, communion. They rallied around fellowship and prayer and worship and generosity. It wasn't what's the latest opinion, but as they gathered around practices, that is where they were united and the Spirit of God fell and came. And I think one of the key practices outlined in the New Testament which exemplified this culture was gathering together as a church community. And so I just want to add my voice into why this is so important. Why should we gather as the body of Christ like this today? And, you know, for us as the whole Vineyard Church, we're gathering today over three services, and uh, we're just kind of picking up the pace, and it's uh, been a really challenging season. But we've probably met about over about 10 Sundays in the last uh, year. And so I understand that people are on uh, their own trajectory of journey and different things, and, and you understand all of that as, as you're processing. But if we go back to the Bible, in season and out of season, we see in Hebrews 10, verses 23 to 25, these incredible verses. And it says this, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope, catch this collective pronoun, we profess, For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, this is a bit of a a hinged passage in Hebrews chapter 10. The first nine chapters are all about what we have received through the death of and the resurrection of Christ, and that to have Jesus is better than anything else. And what he did for us is better than anything else. And then the remaining chapters is how do we apply what we now have in Christ to the rest and remainder of our Christian walk? This is how we work out our Christian salvation. So you have this incredible doctrine in the first nine chapters that undergirds the application of the Christian walk. But you've got the whole message of Hebrews in chapter 10. And it's basically about the life of faith. It's teaching us how do you persevere in the life of faith. And at the heart of a life of faith is perseverance and faithfulness. And right in the middle of that, and these verses, is this encouragement. It's so, so important. It's in here. Do not give up meeting together. Do not give up meeting together. It is crucial to being a follower of Jesus. And the context here, and I haven't got time to really go into this, but if you look at the later part of chapter 10, is that they were under severe persecution because you had Jews who had converted to following Christ 
And what they would do is that they would not go to the temple, as was their custom. We can imagine with all their family and their background and their neighbors and their friends. And, and, the, and in the city center, there's the temple. And they would stop going there, as was their custom. And the Roman Empire, they were backing up the Jews. And they, they'd persecute you if you wouldn't go. And you, you broke faith and broke fellowship with that. And here you have them now going down a back street to a back room, a small fellowship of followers of Jesus now meeting together to worship Jesus. They found Christ, they're being converted, and now they are meeting in this back room. They were going against the tide. And it was difficult for some people. Some people couldn't keep up with it, and they renounced their faith and went back to the temple. But you have this small community of followers of Jesus who are gathering together. And the encouragement here is this. Doesn't matter if you're being persecuted. It doesn't matter how hard times are. It doesn't matter if you're in a pandemic. Do not give up meeting together. Persevere in gathering together. Keep going down to that little back street called, we're on King Edward Street, right? Every single time. Keep going, parking up, walking to the city center, King Edward Street, and meet. It is so, so important. Why? You may think, I can't offer anything right now. I feel so undone. I feel so weak. I've got so much happening in my life right now. Struggling with a broken heart, struggling with grief, struggling with ill health, struggling with pain struggling with relational difficulty, whatever season you find yourself in right now, you may be thinking of all the reasons why I'm not even missed if I don't come. They, I've got nothing to offer. I don't have anything to offer. And the encouragement here is this, is that just this, this morning, you and I meeting like this, and though we can't sing, we can raise a hand and we can clap. Though we can't speak out loud, we can come under the teaching of the Bible, we can pray, we can break bread together, we can prophesy. That is such an encouragement to each other. As I see Phil and Dan here on the, on the front row, and we stand together, and though we don't have much to offer, and though we may be struggling, and though we may be weak, we look at each other and think, I know what you're going through, and you still turned up, and you just sat here, that is the greatest encouragement to one another. And so we've made church, and it's not helped being online, has it? Because there's, there's, there's comp this kind of like comparison. It's the Insta life. We look at people's lives through Instagram and social media, and we think, hold on, they've got it all brilliant. Look at that church down the road. It looks awesome. Look at that conference that's going on. We think, gosh, their worship's amazing. And we've got podcasts and we've got all these things. You know, all of that is a great gift. It's a redemptive gift of technology to the church and the world. We can reach more people than we could ever have reached people before. But let's not become consumers where we compare. What church is all about, what the heart of God is all about is this. Is that though I'm struggling, though I've been dealing with addiction for decades, though I've been in pain for decades though I've got a life of brokenness. Just as I show up, we are trophies of grace. 
to God and to one another. And you know what the greatest encouragement to me as a pastor has been this last year? Is I know my people and I know some of them have gone through such grief and such pain in this last year. And I see them turn up and I see them just sit there behind the mask. And they're present and I just think that is the greatest encouragement to me as a pastor. You just turned up. You just showed up even through all the pain and through all the difficulty that you're going through. So don't you... And here's the revelation that we need to be reminded of, because we don't go to church, do we? We are the church. And it's so much deeper and so much more powerful than we can ever, ever imagine. It's not about just turning up to attend church whenever we feel like it. But actually, we recognize that this is us. We are family. We're in it together and I want to tell you that we're, we're a church that just meets, you know, what, a couple of miles away from here. But just seeing you turn up today is a great encouragement to me and my church family because we're all one. We maybe have different, different flavors, a different look, but we're all one. We're all the body of Christ, and it is absolutely beautiful. You are trophies of grace. And so as we gather in these difficult days where there's persecution and pressure and we're going down this back street alley called King Edward Street and we gather, we are the greatest test testimony to the resurrected Christ. And we're saying to each other and we're saying to the world, Jesus is alive and he's worth it and I come and I don't have much to offer but I come and I just attend and I show up and I worship and I serve where I can. And I just, because we're the church, this is what we do. We're family. We're brothers and sisters. We belong to one another. And when you're missing, is that we're missing out. When I'm missing church and the gathering, is that people are missing out on what I have to offer and vice versa. We're in this together. And in doing that, this is how we fulfill the New Testament demands upon a Christian to what? To encourage one another to love one another, to admonish one another, to serve one another, to carry each other's burdens. This is how we do it in the context of community. Let's be honest. If church is fundamentally what happens up front, why not stick with our jogging bottoms and our internet worship? But the to the degree our intuitions are being formed and reformed according to God's word and the scriptures that we've shared today, to the degree we think of corporate worship as a family gathering, then tuning in from our living rooms will start to feel as dissatisfying as live streaming even our family dinner. We are family. We are home. This is us. And I want to finish before we pray, just with a prophetic word that I submit to the leaders and um, I'm sure they'll stand up next week and say, just ignore everything John said if it's rubbish. But uh, I've had a, a, a single word on my heart for you guys for the last three weeks and it's around the word shelter. Because family and the church is to be a shelter from the storm. You know, when all 
the storms of life break upon our lives, where do we run to when we're hit with unemployment? Where do we, hit when we, where do we go when we're hit with addiction or break up relationally or problems with extended family? You run for refuge into the arms of your church family. Family is the one place in the entire world where if you're a total failure, if you've messed up, if you're facing the storm of your own decisions, a storm of your own making, or a victim of circumstances, you can run to your family and they will accept you. I read a story about a contest concerning which child was the most caring child in this particular group, and the winner was a four-year-old child whose next-door neighbor was an elderly man who recently lost his wife. On seeing the man cry, the little boy went into the older gentleman's yard, climbed onto his lap, and just sat there. When his mother asked what he had said to the neighbor, the little boy said, nothing, I just helped him cry. That's what family does. They help sad people cry. And this is what we do as the church. And I really believe that Jubilee is called to be a shelter for people in the storm. And there's parts of that which... I want to speak into for a moment because there are moments in people's lives that you're going to help people process and you're going to reach people in our city where it is literally snatching them for a season and for a moment to give them shelter before maybe even some of them pass away. That they know love and they know acceptance from God and from the church even though they're a mess. They're going to come and find in you a shelter from the storms of life, even if it's for a month or six months or for a year. For some people, it'll be a lot longer. But the Lord has also called you as a church to be a shelter in other places and other locations. And just hearing a little bit just now about um, the church plants. And uh, I, I know this is a, a, a church which multiplies itself with church planting, and that can be really painful, and that can be often, uh, you have to process grief as a church as you, uh, as you say goodbye to other cherished family members in the life of the church, but I believe it's a unique calling upon this house that you're called to go and actually set up shelters in other locations for people to meet Christ, and That means that you'll have many, and it's a kingdom call. This isn't like a safe, comfortable church call. This isn't like about let's build the church with numbers so much that we're just all nice, like in this nice, comfortable bubble. We're not called to live in a bubble. We're called to live in a battle. And part of that is a kingdom battle, and the kingdom is an eternal thing. And so you're literally reaching people for a season for the sake of eternity. And I want you to have that perspective, have that lens, if this is of the Lord, where you recognize actually we're going to be rescuing people and giving them shelter for a season. We're also going to be planting and multiplying locations in different geographical locations in the city of Hull and in the nations of the world, which is going to go as a kingdom word to provide shelter for people. And I believe you're marked by this. You're marked as a church to give shelter. And at the heart of this is for people who are marginalized, who have suffered injustice, is to show compassion and mercy to the poor. 
and you're marked by this, this is like a unique anointing upon this house to be a shelter for our community and for the communities of the world. Henry Nguyen said this, that community is the place where the person you least want to live with always lives. This is church. This is family. This is us. I invite you to stand and just love to pray. Thank you for listening to me today. And as, as Dan said on the church calendar, this is Pentecost. This is the moment where we celebrate the birth of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But I love churches like this that don't have to wait once a year for Pentecost for the outpouring of the Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I know we may not be able to do the things that we normally could do, but God understands that and the Holy Spirit will work as we just allow him to in this church. And so I encourage you just maybe as a sign of submission and surrender just to hold your hands out like this and just to receive like you're receiving a gift, whatever the Lord wants to do right now. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in this place. We thank you that you're moving up and down, child and row and in every heart. We ask right now, Holy Spirit, for more. release your presence, release your power upon us today. We pray for a fresh wave of your spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, more. We ask for more right now. For those watching online at home, just encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister to your heart. We just welcome you, Lord. Come and have your way. Do what you want with us. Some of you here today and in your half hearts, all you want to do is have a fresh start. I really sense the Lord wants to say to you that I want to come and press the reset button in your life. And you can have that fresh start. Maybe you talk to yourself out or other people talk to yourself out of a fresh start because things are just stacking up. But in God, he wants to press the reset button over your life and to say the old is gone. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Breathe upon us, Lord.
I saw like a, a, like a hurricane, like a tornado, and the word I got was disruption. And, uh, you know, in the eye of the storm, there's that place of uh, safety and peace. And I just sense that some of you are going through a real unsettling and disruption, but just to stay centered in God and be rooted in Him, established in Him, built up in Him. Don't look to circumstance, to other people. Don't look to which way the wind is blowing, but just keep yourself fixed. Faithfulness, faithfulness every day, faithfulness, submission, surrender to Jesus. Faithfulness. Just say the next yes. Tomorrow morning, just say yes to Jesus and his perfect, sovereign, providential will will come in your life. So we pray, and there's a disruption in the church as well, which is a good thing. Because the Lord is bringing like a, it's like a groundswell of disruption. And it's going to have wide-reaching effects upon the community, your neighborhood, and the city. It's going to cause things to be lifted up, lifted out. And people are going to be moved on from the things that they place their hope and their trust in for decades. And now they're going to place their hope and trust in something that is real and eternal. And that is Jesus because their lives have been disrupted.